Well, I think some of y'all are enjoying this love series. So I hear you love and love. Not a bad Valentine message, is it? Anyway, we'll wait till Mrs. Mrs. Pastor Morgan joins me. So you know next week is Mark and Trina. Not Wednesday night. Lisa asked me, said, how long are we going to do this? I said, till the rapture. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. But we're having fun. But, but anyway, are you all ready? And we, when you get ready, I want to open in prayer. So, Father God, we, we realize that in the earth today, there's already a revival that has begun. Heavenly Father, and in, in, in Asbury, in many places, what you said through the prophets is beginning to happen. I believe the young people in America are going to run with it, grab this, and run. And with no compromise, and it will be the greatest move of God we've ever seen. And, and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you that it will be here also. And I'm asking you to use us. We have a choice in that matter. And as a church, and I ask you to use us tonight to get in your word and we will be a doer of it. And thank you for revelation knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to start off, and um, I'm going to get, get your book out and go to page, um, I guess it's 10. And I want to read the bottom of it. I'm going to flip a bunch of pages right now. Follow me if you can. Where we're going tonight is at the bottom where it says, Rejoice is not iniquity. Rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never faileth. Now, I'm going to answer a question for, um, go to page 13. I'm going to answer a question for you. I turned it on already. Um, when, we, when King James says charity, why, does, why do you think it uses that instead of word of love? Because in King James' day, the, if, if a man said to a woman, I love you, it didn't mean much. But he says, I cherish you. That's wedding bells. So that's a strong word, cherish, as far as the late 1800s, early 1900s in, in, um, in England, in, in Europe, where, where 1600s when King James wrote the Bible. So it was, it was a very strong word. Very, It is today. We use the word love. I love peanut butter. I love my wife. We just have one word, and it's sort of supposed to mean everything. That's why there's a confusion. So let's go to page 13 in Amplified. It says, it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. The next page, Jordan Love is all-embracing, all-trusting, all-hoping, all-enduring. Love never quits is the way it says. And then on page 17, love endures long, persevering, remaining loyal to the end. I think I have one more, Lisa. And um, I, may not, may, I may not ask you to find it. A message on page 24. Love never looks back but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. And then I have one on page 19. 
Love knows no, the fill translation, I guess. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, this is where I want you to perk up. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. Yes. When we read this, and Lisa and I discussed this, there was a time when it says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It never, never fails. And, and King James says that. There's, a, there's an idea there that relationships built on, you know, if you love someone, the relationship would never end. That's not true. Or it won't fail. That, that's not what that actually is meaning. We're mm -hmm. going to get into that. You know, in the garden, God loved Adam and Eve, and that relationship failed. Yes. Jesus and Judas, the relationship failed. Love never fails. Relationships can. And when it talks about love not failing or coming to an end, you know it is possible for a person to walk from you and yet you still want the best for them. You still care about them. It, now, that doesn't mean that if you're walking in love, and I actually believed that wrongly at my, in my first marriage. When Brother Hagen said, love's never been to the divorce court, that's what caused me to hang on to a dead marriage for years, thinking that love never fails. Well, it, it did, but not on my end. Does that make sense? So the, the real word here is, it, it, and it says it never quits, it never looks back, it never dies. It lasts forever. Love, love, the love of God has eternal life. It will God, never be done away it'll with. It will never be done away with. Whatever you do in love, whatever you do in love will always be. It'll last forever. It'll, it, it will last forever. It'll follow you. It'll follow to you. To your heavenly home. It'll every follow act you to heaven. Kindness, it'll follow you forever. Every act of love is recorded that you make. Um, what I would wanted to point out that I pointed out to you earlier was in our culture, the word fail, when we hear the word fail, we think of victory. Like we won the game or we failed. We were a failure or we failed. So we think of the word fail as victory or defeat. But the word fail here is love doesn't cease. So if I were to say, you know, his health is failing, that doesn't mean victory and defeat. It means the, the health is fading away, right? It's coming to an end. So that's all that means is that love will never come to an end. Praise God for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Fade. So when we read this and we're going to um we're going to get into this um let me see where I want to go with this. When we get into this, we're we're going to learn that at the beginning of it he talks about love and we've been reading 4 through 8, 4 through 8, 4 through 8. Tonight we're going to go to the scriptures above and below. But he's really referring to the fact that whatever you do in the natural if you have a, I love my car, it, it will one day be in a junkyard rusting. It will fail. That's a bad thing to love. Mm -hmm. I love my house. I love my job. Mm -hmm. But what you, when you love people, yes. whatever you have done in love will never end. 
whatever you do in selfishness will. Yes. So what so what what are you doing today that will never come to an end? What are you doing? Who have you helped? What did you do today or this week or this month that that will benefit that person and you forever? Amen. Now now we could go back to well, someone I led someone in the Lord. That's forever. Yes. That's that's love. Oh, I bought a new car. That ain't. And so I helped an an, an old lady across the street and, and and blessed her day and gave her hope. That'll last. Those things never end. And they follow you because you will reap what you sow forever. Amen. Okay. okay. Amen. Okay. Amen. Um the love I give a person will never come to an end. It will go on forever. I have eternal life. I have eternal love. Love is eternal. So, so like I said in another session, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and 2 Corinthians 9 says, talks about sowing and reaping. It's funny how they're both the ninth chapter, so just go to either Corinthians, and it's going to talk about sowing and reaping. So remember this, that when you sow love into someone, you may not always get it reaped out of that same ground, but it's going to come around and you're going to reap it somehow. Someone is going to sow you. Sometimes you want that person to sow love into you, but you have to ask yourself, what's the motive of me giving love and giving kindness? It can't be so they better do it back to me. It better just be freely given with no, with no expectation of you better give it back. Just give it and know that it's coming back to you somehow. So in Drummond's book, and you don't have this book, you, it wouldn't hurt if you did. It was a really good book. I'm going to read something to you, and it's in 1 John 4, 19. It says, if you turn to the revised version of the first epistle of John, you find the words, we love because he first loved us. It says, we love, not we love him. Now, the, the, new, the King James says we love him because he first loved us. But it says in the revised, it doesn't use the word him. It says we love because. Mm -hmm. Now, listen to that, and I think he's right. Not we love him. In the old version, it, we love because he loves. Look at the word because. It is the cause of which I have spoken. Because he loves us first, the effects follows that we love. We, that we love. We love him we love all men. We can't help it because he loves us. We love, we love everybody. Our heart is slowly changed. Contemplate the love of Christ and you will love. Stand before that mirror. Reflect Christ's character and you'll be changed into the same image from tenderness to tenderness. There is no other way. You cannot love to order. You can only look at the lovely object and fall in love with it and grow into the likeness of it. And so look at the perfect character, the perfect life. Look at the great sacrifice. Um, as he laid himself down all through life and upon the cross of Calvary, I think that's right, yeah. Um, you must love him. Loving him, you must become like him. Love begets love. 
It is a process of induction. Put a piece of iron in the presence of an electrified body, and the piece of iron for time becomes electrified. It changes into a temporary magnet in the presence of another magnet. So the point that he's making is that once you look at Jesus and you focus on his love, you become like him. Now, in, there's times I, I read gospel of the world, and, and it, that seems blind. So I'm going to change it to the word mercy. God had mercy on you, 100%. I think in our society today, we, we do church people an injustice by not talking about all have sinned. You are going to heaven totally because Jesus is merciful. You you can never all the days of your life begin to judge people because God doesn't judge you. And when you see that his love for you was 100% on someone headed to total hell, Without him. You see, looking at that, thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for mercy. And and I don't care if you've been saved a week, a year, a month, or 10 years. You are where you are. You are what you are. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of mercy. He gave you the Holy Ghost because of mercy. He, he, he gave you eternal life because of mercy. And you did nothing. So then that has to be the magnet you're looking at that causes you to become merciful. If you're not focused on Jesus' mercy, you will not be merciful. You don't know what they did. Well, you don't know what he did. You are now in judgment seat using a law you never kept. Right? Now, do you want, is that what you want? You do not want that. You want to stay merciful. So in order to stay merciful, you have to stay in love with Jesus and keep focused on God loves me unconditionally. That is the electromagnet that magnetizes you. That's what makes you lovely. It's what makes you nice. If we didn't have it, you wouldn't be nice. It won't take long. You get your eyes off Jesus, it won't be long. You'll be acting the way you used to act. So in the different translations, the word mercy is translated many times into love. His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. So really, what is mercy? Mercy is, say mercy is love, but mercy is compassion and forgiveness extended to you by God, the person who has the ability to punish you. And he did not punish you. His punishment went on Jesus. So I'm going to finish reading this. This is very good. Um, It is changed into a temporary magnet in the presence of a permanent magnet. 
As long as you leave the two side by side, they're both magnets. Remain side by side with him who loved us and gave himself for us, and you two will become a permanent magnet, a permanent attractive force. And like him, you'll draw all men to you. Like him, you will be drawn unto all men. This is the inevitable effect of love. Any man who fulfills that cause must have that effect produced in him. It's not produced because you go to church. It's produced because you have chosen. Okay, and I'm going to finish this. I'm trying, I've got somewhere to go. Try to give up the idea that religion comes to us by chance or mystery or caprice. It comes to us, it comes to us by natural law or supernatural law. All do, is divine. Edward Living, Edward Irving went to see a dying boy once, and he entered the room, and he put his hand on the suffering boy's head and said, My boy, God loves you, and he went away. And the boy started from the bed and called to the people, God loves me, God loves me. One word changed the boy. The sense that God loved him overpowered him, melted him, and began creating a new heart in him. That is how the love of God melts the unlovely heart in a man and begets in him the new creature who is patient and humble and gentle and unselfish. There is no other way to get it. This is no mystery about it. We love others. We love everybody. We love our enemies because... He first loved us. If you don't have a revelation of that, you'll never get this. Yeah, and you have to remember, we don't love what they do, but we do love them. So go to Psalm 136. This, this is a great psalm. I'm not going to read it all, but I am going to read a little bit. And so, Tracy, you can just follow along the best you can. I'm going to jump a little bit, but it's good for everybody to read this. The psalmist David, inspired by the Holy Ghost, is wanting us to get a revelation of how important mercy and love is. Amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his what? His mercy. mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. His mercy endures forever. To him alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night for his mercy endures forever. What's the point? His mercy endures forever. Thank you. Down to verse 23. Who remembered us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever and rescued us from our enemies for his, say it, for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh. Is he going to leave you hungry in a scarce time? That may be in our future. No, why? Because his love endures forever. It never fades. It never fails. It never will become obsolete. It endures forever. Remember what uh, Dr. Mary Fran said? There are two millenniums that are bleeding one into another. So don't be afraid of what you're about to see. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. Amen. So go to go with your Bible to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to start with verse 1 and let's read what Paul was writing 
that led up to 4 through 8. And we've skipped over this, and we need to not skip over yeah, that's it. Good. Here you go. Listen it's a, yeah. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not agape, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, what he's about to do is take everything that we as Christians think are important. Yeah. I speak in tongues. Mm. Well, if you don't have the love of God shed abroad in your heart and walking in love, forget it. Okay? Now, anyway, let me finish. Although I have the gift of prophecy, I love this, and understand how many mysteries? All. Isn't that a powerful all? That means Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, and Billy Brim are calling you on the phone to come preach because you have all knowledge. That, that would make you a pretty big hot dog. <laughs> would it not? <laughs> that is what most ministers are seeking the limelight. But he says right here, if I have all mysteries and all knowledge and all faith, so I could even remove mountains and I have not love, I'm what? Nothing. You're a nada. It amounts to nothing. So, so the point here is all the things we think are important. Wasn't the worship wonderful? Oh, it was. The band was great. And, the, and oh, didn't she sing wonderful? Wasn't that a great sermon? Well, if you're not walking in love, forget the whole service. Mm. It mm. matters nothing. 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 Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> or better. <laughs> Though I give every dime I've ever made in my life, 99% of my income to Rosa and fed the poor, and I even laid my body down to be burned. That's a big deal. That's a pretty big giver in the church. Come on, that's a big deal. I mean, this is the biggest giver in the church. Million dollars a year in the offering plate. And a burnt and you, body. And you don't have love. <laughs> God considers it nothing. Nada. So don't get burnt for nothing. Okay. Now, now in other words, these, this is something that Amen. we go, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. That is a big deal. If you're not giving love, and you, you're giving money, with, and the motive is completely wrong. You're doing everything, and your motive is wrong. Nada. Mm. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to think about something the Lord showed me. When we talk about the sower sows the seed, sows the word in the soil. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. Y'all just have to hold on to your horses right now. The one seed went on the wayside, one went in the bushes, one went on the hard ground, and we know that didn't produce. The only seed that ever worked was what it was in plowed ground. Mm. Yeah. And, and he says, those who have a good heart, if you're, not li if you're not living holy, you're f if you're not in, what, now what's holy? Now, we use the word holiness. We're not talking about hair and makeup and all that junk. We're talking, so, so walking in love and walking in holiness are synonymous terms. Mm -hmm. Loving people and being holy is the same. So let's use the word holy. If you're not total, if you have not said complete, 
goodbye to sin, mm -hmm. your Christianity is a zero. Th that don't work real good in most churches. That's true. Did you know that? That's true. I'm going to give you a stat that will bother you, but it's going to change in Jesus' name. Amen. There's only 3,000 churches in America that preach truth, that the Bible's absolute truth. There's only 3,000. Only 3% of them preach it. There's 3,000 that, that believe it. There's only 3% of the 3,000 that still preach it from the pulpit because they don't want to offend people. Well, let me, let me help you with something. I got a book that I've been reading called Repentance by um, Rick Renner. And he said, when you hear truth, it may sting. Mm, it may hurt. Mm -hmm. That's love. Because if you're not plowed, the word isn't working, your love ain't working, and your whole life is a zero with a rim knocked off. That's a heavy, that's like, Oh, God, I need to be in the altar. We all need altar time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Or is everybody out there? Did y'all go, y'all are doing pretty good since I just. Now, that's a pretty good thought. That's a pretty decent thought. I've been reading, uh, not Rick Renner's book, but um, John Bevere on the awe of God. Fear of God. The and he God. says the fear of God uh, is clean. Hmm. If you don't revere God, you'll never be clean. Now, I'm not going to jump into my story yet. On well, and, you know, and I just wanted to mention that, you know, we need, we need to fear God and awe God enough that if he said it, then that's what we're going to do. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4, he talks about sexual immorality. Uh, oh, no, she used that word. Hey, it's so accepted in our culture today to live and sleep with each other. Well, you're not really sleeping, but to live with each other before you get married. <laughs> so eventually you do go to sleep. But I've never slept with a woman in my life. I was awake the whole time. I don't even know why they say that. And, and it, <laughs> but the, no, I'm, I'm you need to shut up. I'm no. teasing. <laughs> Ooh, just take a little break here. But the thing is, is that if God called it sexual, he calls marriage beautiful. He calls the same act you're defrauding and stealing and robbing from your brother and sister if you do it before you're married. And he says, if you reject this, you reject me. Read it. First Thessalonians 4. Write it in your notes. Prove me wrong. I read it. I know what it says. Now, see, some of us in this church, and I'm speaking of the ladies in the prayer meeting, and Barbara and I have talked, and Betty and I have talked, and, and, and I know where they are on this. We keep praying about a move of God. And let me, let me make a statement to you. Go, until you make up your mind that you're going to get sin out of your life. 100%. 100%. I mean, clean it out. 100%. You say, I can't. Well, you better. You can. The Bible you says you can. You will never see a move of God. That's right. So I'm going to read it to you because there are scriptures that we seem to kind of blow over. And I want to... By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and his truth is and and the truth is not of him. Whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we're in him. He who says I abide in him ought to walk as he walked. 
Brethren, I write no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment, it says, a new commandment I write unto you, and, and the darkness is passing away. It says, love one another. Amen. Amen. Now, now Brother Hagin said a step out of love is a step out of God. And the older I'm getting and the longer I've been around, the more I'm going to attest to you that, that there's a lot of people praying for healing Mm-hmm. that the soil of your heart is it's hard. hard. Mm-hmm. Until you've made up your mind to plow it Amen. and to get, get your relationship with God and others right, you can forget using your faith for anything. Yeah, so I will t- tell a story about you real quick, but it's a good story. It's, it's a bad story about me, but a good story about you. Not really. Well, I ain't telling no bad stories about you. No, I'm going to tell a story on me because I can. But that 1 Corinthians 13, 1, I, I'm just telling you because this is the way that it happened. So I'm not making it up. But Sunday morning, my husband said something in a sermon about me, you know, about the biscuits or something, whatever it was. I, I don't know. And well, just, I don't do it anymore. No, he doesn't. But I was just like, you know, how many times, you know, really, you know, and so I was, I was upset. I'm like, how many times? How many, you, you just always going to talk about, you know, throw me under the bus about the biscuits or burning the bacon or whatever. So I was just mad. I was just mad. And I went home. We went home to take a nap. And I heard a gong, gong, gong. And I'm like, oh, my God, the neighbors are at it again. What are they doing outside? Because there were some party neighbors that lived a little bit away from, I always heard their music. And I'm like, who, who plays a gong in the backyard? And literally, I'm just about ready to fall asleep. Gong, gong, like a big clanging brass gong. And I was like, okay, this is really making me mad. I get up, I go outside, look out the window. There's nobody over there. They're not even home. I mean, I didn't go outside. I just looked out the window. There's no one there. And the Lord said, If you speak in tongues and know all mysteries and can prophesy and have not love, you're like a noisy gong. He says, that's me. That's me making that sound. And he took me back to what he said in the service. You know, he said, forgive him. Let it go. And so it stopped. But isn't that something that I had told the Lord a couple weeks ago from that point, not a couple of these weeks ago. I said, Lord, if there's anything in me. I'm asking you to help me grow. Help me grow in you. Let me tell you what. When you start plowing your own heart before the Lord, he'll start showing you stuff that he wants you to get rid of. He's like, I said, but that hurt, Lord. He's like, that's none of your business. That's my son. I'll take care of it. But you are going to hear this gong until you forgive him. He said, so So where she, what she's talking about is that I have this philosophy that if I tell you all the junk in my life, it'll help you. So I think if I tell you all the junk in Lisa's, it'll help you too. But she don't like it. <laughs> so we had to come to grips with the fact that I can tell all the stuff on me, but I'm not allowed to tell all the stuff on her. Hey, let me tell my I'll stuff. Tell, I'll let her tell her own junk. <laughs> Amen. But she told me, just leave me alone. I said, okay. You know, it's, <laughs> that's where all that came from is yeah. that, you know, I just want people to know we're just real people. We're not... Lisa's a good lady. My, I have a very, very, very good wife. We, we have not done everything right by any stretch of the imagination. 
but yet both of us are quick to she's quicker to forgive than I am. I'll just tell you that. Not that Sunday I wasn't, but I've gotten yeah. a lot better. I don't want no more gongs in my head. <laughs> well, th- that's where the root of that comes from. And since then, I've made a vow to watch a lot of stuff that I don't say anymore. Amen. Someone gave me a coffee cup one time and says, beware what you say to pastor. It may become a sermon. <laughs> and I, I'm going to tell you this right now. Those days are over. Those days are over. Amen. So y'all can all rest. Amen. Amen. I, yeah, I've, I've realized it didn't do any good anyway. I mean, it just. God is good. It just don't work. It doesn't Let's work. Let's finish reading this. 1 Corinthians 13. He goes down here, and it says, "Though and it says, love suffers long, is patient and kind. And it goes down to verse 8, love never fails. And whether there's prophecies, they will fail. Mm-hmm. Whether there's tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it'll vanish away. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. Well, now, what is he saying? There's a lot of things that we've placed as important. Yes, high importance. There's a day coming when you get to heaven, you won't speak in tongues anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we, you know, we're all excited about prophesying and what is the latest prophet said about the what's going on in Washington. But, <laughs> but is anybody basing your Christianity on your love walk? Are you spending all your time on something that's not going to be around much longer anyway? It's going to vanish. Yeah. Amen. How's your love walk? Amen. That's good preaching, All right. Honey. Let's, let, let's, let's go deeper. <laughs> Amen. Your kids will be with you forever. Yeah. When's the last time you poured life into them mm-hmm. instead of doing something that doesn't matter? Amen. When's the last time you poured life into your spouse? When's the last time that you did something in the church or helped with the children's church and kids got saved? That goes on forever. So he's making an analogy here. He's trying to say love never fails. Whether it's prophecies, they're going to end. Tongues will end. We know in part, we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect is come, that which is in part to be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll know as I'm known. Now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, the grave, these love. Those are three things that never end. Amen. So how much of that are you doing now? Amen. How much of Amen. that are you doing today? That's huge. So um, having a good marriage is more important than making the extra $50,000. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's good preaching, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spending time with your kids, and I'm not saying that you become total country mom here either, but I'm talking about <laughs> Sitting down and looking at what am I doing that'll never end? Yes, amen. Who got saved? Who got born again? Whose life got changed? What are we doing as a church to affect the community so that we can stand before the Lord and we have a reward based on something we did important? So what would be important? How did you love? Amen. Amen. Okay. Do you have anything to say? Because I'm fixing to take off again. Take off. 
you, you know, I, I wanted to say something really quick is that the fact that the more you grow in love and the more that you think about people and doing things for people, the more God just shows up. He's just there to help you. It's like he, he surrounds you. He is in you, but he's not always active in you. But the more that you respond to him, he becomes more active activated in you. And so when I went to Tennessee this weekend, do you mind me telling the story about the guy in the parking garage? I went to Tennessee this weekend and Nashville is a, is, is a wreck. The airport is just all under construction. But anyways, I, f- I had to go outside. It's cold. I found my way up the stairs. I waited in line for 45 minutes because it was the only place everybody was in line with behind Thrifty. Nobody else cared Your about car. any other rental car. So they, they, they told me where to go. I've, I'm outside. I'm cold. I found my way up there, third building high, third floor. And, and I'm just like, she's like, space 434. That's on my ticket. When I arrive at the top, I'm at 100. And so I'm walking up and down the blue thrifty aisle, and I'm, I'm just like, I, it ends. It ends at 200. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm cold. I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm late. Help me. And I prayed that inside, and all of a sudden I hear this ma'am shouting at me like, like where Robert is. I, I, you know, I thought I was up there by myself. These guys just don't roam around up there. They're, they're down there receiving cars, and they're in the little, their little booths with their coats, you know, in a warm, heated place. All of a sudden, I'm shocked. This tall man in, like, this orange jacket thing, he yells at me. He says, ma'am, and it, and it startled me. And I looked at him. I said, what? And he's like, you look like you're looking for something. I said, I'm looking for my car. He says, what space are you? I said, 434. He says, you are on the that space is on the opposite side of this garage, way over here in the corner. Well, because I was cold, now listen to this. Because I was cold, I ran through the cars. Just because I was cold with my suitcase, I ran to keep warm. I made it to space 434, exactly where, was he an angel? I don't know, but he's what God sent me at the moment. And so (laughs) I ran and I found the car jumped in it. It had the keys on the seat. All the cars do. Had the keys on the seat, put it in the ignition, just about to turn it on. And I looked to my left and this big, big, tall black man is knocking on my window. And I'm just like, ah, it scared me, you know? And I was like, okay. And like, should I roll the window down? I mean, I'm alone up there. Nobody else. I don't know where the other guy went. So I rolled the window down. I, I recognized him. He was in the line behind me somewhere. And I'm like, can I help you? And he showed me his ticket, and it said 434. He said, they gave you this car too? I said, yes. And he's like, ah, and he was mad, and he walked off. The point of it is that if the Manhattan appeared and showed me where this lot was, if I hadn't run because I was cold, I made it to that car 30 seconds 15 seconds before someone showed up my window and said, this is my car. Well, it was mine first because mine said 434. What what am I trying to say? The closer and the cleaner, the closer and the cleaner you live to his word, which you are fully capable of doing because the spirit of God lives in you, the more he shows up in the most extraordinary ways. It's not just a life for Mary Fran. It's for you. Yeah. Amen. 
So I want to. I want you to look in your Bible. Go to Luke, and uh, I, I want you to turn here. I really do. Um, Luke um, eighteen nine. This is the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says, he spoke a parable, some who trusted in themselves they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, not even talking to God. <laughs> God, I thank you, I sure am not like everybody else. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as his tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of everything I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and said, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house righteous or justified rather than the other. Everyone exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And we're talking about walking in love. Love, God will take care of you. But see, most people are trying to take care of themselves. That's that's their M.O. I can't do that because. And you're so busy taking care of yourself that now you don't even have God helping you. The Bible yes. says, humble yourself under the mighty hand Amen. of God Amen. and he will exalt you. Yes. That goes back to what I said. There are Christians and their life, me, there's no presence of God in their life at all. And they say, well, I love the Lord. Well, if you love the Lord, you're going to have to humble yourself and realize that without him, you're nothing. And stay in that, not look at me and how well I'm doing, because now you stepped out of love, and you don't even have the presence of God on your life anymore. Okay, I got one more for you. Are you all ready? This one's better. You're going to say yes, amen. Matthew 18. Now, I have, to, I have to qualify this one with a story. And I want you to hold on to your hat. What time is it? That's good. When Mary Fran was here, she laid hands on me and began to prophesy. And uh, the, they wrote it down. And I don't know if they ever gave it to the ladies yet. But she said, everything changes now, and it goes back to the way it was. The Lord, since that moment, has been talking to me, and I've been doing a lot of praying about me and my life. You see, you can say, I want to move in the church, but you want to move in your family, you're going to have to have a move in you. You're wanting God to move out there, and he's wanting to move in here. And so he's begun dealing with me about stuff. He, 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 he said something to me the other day, and I went back and I dug an old video, a VHS out, and I couldn't watch it because I don't have a VHS corner. And it's the story of Daniel, the guy that was raised from the dead in Reinhardt Monkey's meeting. Has anybody ever heard that story? You, you really need to watch it. And I got the book out at home. I went and got the book, and I read it. Reinhardt was told a little bit of it, but I remember Daniel saying something. Now, here's the story. Daniel is a pastor in Nigeria, I think Nigeria and Africa, and him and his wife were doing quite well financially, 
and he was going to a meeting to preach, and uh, apparently he's kind of a, a, a rough person to begin with, like domineering kind of a guy. And he said, his, his wife looked at him and said, well, our son is sick. He needs blood. He said, well, I'm going to go down, and the only one to give blood is me, and I'll get the blood, and I'll get it all done. I've got a crusade I'm preaching at. I'll be gone for three days. Well, she got in an argument with him that he shouldn't be leaving home with his son sick. And he said, lady, I've already taken care of everything that you need, and I'm going to go obey God. Well, a fight broke out. And she slapped him, not very loving. And he, he got upset and offended because you don't slap a man in Africa. They call it an abomination. Especially a man of God. Especially a pastor. Especially because a pastor. Because in their city, he's revered right. as someone. So he sleeps on the couch that night, or he sleeps in another room in the house and just says, in the morning, I'll take you, I'll deal with you. Well, he goes off mad, she goes off mad. Well, about the middle of the night, she knocks on his door and says, honey, I was wrong. I want you to forgive me. And he said, we'll talk in the morning. The next morning, she knocks on the door and says, I, I'm, I'm asking you, would you please forgive me for what I did? She I was begged wrong. him. He said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you to my father to live for one year. And you, I'm banishing you from this home for one year for what you did because you, what you did was an abomination. And she's like, well, don't send me to your father. Now, his, his father's a Baptist witch doctor, mm. which wasn't even born again. And you have to read the story. I'm not going to get into all this. Yeah. Anyway, so he, he goes to see his father and makes a peace. He, he's not even getting along with his own dad. But he makes an appeasement because he wants his wife to live with him for a year and get out of his hair. On the way home, he has a wreck and he dies. And he, he gets in a wreck and he, he's got a Mercedes. And, and he's and, dying. And, and he hits something and the, the, the steering wheel hit him in the chest, crushed his ribs. And so his wife hears about it and they all run out there and they put him in an ambulance. And on the way to the hospital... Um, they're, they took him to a hospital in the town, but they don't have all the stuff that he needs. So he looked at her and said, you get me to the other hospital. And he's really rough with his wife. So she, she's, now she's like, well, I've already offended him. I don't want to offend him again. So she hires the, the ambulance to take him to the hospital an hour away. And by on the way there, two angels appear in the ambulance and put their thing, shh, and they take him to heaven, and he dies. And she's like, I, and he can see her as he's going up. In the name of Jesus, you'll live and not die. Because the Lord had already given her a promise that her and her husband had a ministry together. And she had been praying that God would help them with their marriage, which was not very good, even though they're in ministry. So anyway, long story short, God takes him to heaven. And the first thing he sees is the mansions and the people singing and the whole nine yards. And, the, and he says, am I going in? He goes, no, you need to go. I've got to show you something else. So he shows him hell, takes him over into hell. And he says, well, this is terrible. People, people are burning and the whole nine He's yards. He's on the brink of hell, and not so, in it. So, it. so he looks at the, at the angel, and the angels, and he says, am I going to go in? He says, no. 
He says, God has something for you. But had it not been for what God is going to do, you're, you would be eternally in hell. Now, that's why I went back and watched it. And he says, but I'm a pastor and I'm born again. And he was. And he said, but you have ought. You have unforgiveness. That'll scare the hell out of you. Then he saw a pastor in there in hell. In hell. That had stolen money from his church. And he was in hell. Now, that messes up my theology. Say amen. Amen. But the Lord has been talking to me about the church in America and this one. We're playing too much with the grace of God. Now, God gave the woman a dream, and the dream was her husband. Take me to Bonkis. She took the body away from her father-in-law, and I mean, you need to watch the whole video. I mean, they thought she was loony. (laughs) When they went to embalm him, the power of God came out of him and knocked the embalmer down. The mortician. The mortician. He was shooting he tried, in, formaldehyde, formaldehyde in, in his which legs. Vein? In his, in his leg. Try the other leg. And he says, he, so he went back to the witch doctor and said, there's something about this guy. And you've, you've put a curse on him because there's a spirit in him that keeps knocking me down when I try to work on him. So you come get the body and I'm giving you the money back. So they, weren't, they were unable to embalm him. Mm. So she goes and gets the body and puts it in an ambulance and then just through sheer, she's crazy. She she gets the ambulance driver to take the body to Reinhardt's meeting, which he's in a church, and they put it in the basement. Well, he's preaching, and the anointing in the building is so strong that that he starts to breathe. And the story is raised from the dead. And rigor mortis had set in, and it took like an hour before his body was moving again. And 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 um, he was dead for a few days. He was dead for three days mm-hmm. by the time they took him. Mm-hmm. And even the security guard thought there was a bomb in the body and all of that. And Reinhardt's preaching; he doesn't even know this is going on. Yeah, it's in the basement. Well, the angel told him. He says, "I'm sending you back as a witness to this generation." It's time to repent. Yeah. Boy, that's strong. And so he comes back and um, his wife takes him home and and, and he looks at her and he says, honey, come here. Very touching. He says, you know, they have a refrigerator, which no one in town has because he's wealthy. He He said, just like the refrigerator, you can get food anytime you want to. He said, anytime you come to me and want forgiveness, I will always open my arms. Him and his wife have a ministry traveling through Africa preaching on forgiveness. Can I read now? Now, I'm not making all this up. I'm just telling you that the Lord has been dealing with me to go back and begin studying because I'm praying about what does it take to have a move of God. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. 100% repentance from the body. Because there are people who will not be in heaven that think they will be. 
and 100% extension of forgiveness. Yes. That's where it begins. Now, have I, do I know everything yet? No. No, but, but the Lord has been showing me because I'm, he's showing me a lot of things now about the way his church is. And I asked him the other day, I said, why do you, why do you keep saying I'm coming soon and my church is not ready. Father, they're born again. Hmm. And he answered, he's answering my prayer. We're not ready. Yeah. Okay, can I read now? Amen. All right, I'm going to read. Matthew 18. So you don't think I'm crazy. Um. Verse 21, Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said, don't say seven times. It's seven times. Seventy. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, he was brought to him, one who owed him 10,000 talents. That's, kind, that's, that's up in the 20, that's $26 billion. Okay, I, want, I did the math. And he was not able to pay. The master commanded to be sold to his wife and children and all payment to be made. That's you. That's you. That's me. The servant therefore fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And I wrote in my Bible, how? And the master of that servant was moved with compassion and forgave him the debt. That's us. That servant went out and found one who owed him 100 denarii, $18. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not. And he went and threw him in prison that he would pay the debt. That's vengeance. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and told it to the master what had been done. And then his master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt and you begged me. Should you not have had a compassion on your fellow servant as I had compassion on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he would pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father would do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, you, you can tear it out of your Bible if you want to. There's, there's so many scriptures that we don't preach on anymore. Communion. That if you, that, that if you take communion and you have ought against your brother, that you forgive unless, you know, and God judges you. He judges you so you're not damned with the world. That's written to a Christian. So I'm going to ask you, how important are we going to take walking in love? Say real, real important. So in the last week, I've been really, God will wake me up at like five in the morning. And I'm taking everything in my life that ain't right and getting it under the blood. Amen. Amen. Because it doesn't, it start, listen, we, every one of us in this room have to go real serious he paid a high price yes, for you. Yes. And he had mercy on you. And compassion, yes. You know what the number one problem in America? You don't know what they did. Don't let that get into I'm you. I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter what they did. Yeah, it don't matter. You know what you did? This is too expensive And, and, and I'm not going to, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with God. Or I don't know if I agree with your doctrine. Somehow or another, I'm not quite sure he cares. 
I mean, we realize that Daniel's story is not our story, but we can't get away from Matthew 18. He said, he, your father, he's your father. He'll deliver you to the torturers until all the debt's paid. You can't pay the debt. And how do you pay a debt when you're in jail? You don't make no money. You're poor. You know, or, or there's no time. It, it's, it's, you can't, it's lifetime. So what Daniel did was huge. Daniel justified Daniel was a born-again Christian pastor, like Pastor and I. That's a brutal pill for even him and I to swallow. We've laid our whole life down for the gospel and taken major persecution and gone through a lot of things, and we get mad one big time and don't forgive one another, and bam, it's, it's for naught. We're in hell burning for the rest. That was hard for us to watch this video. But the truth is, is Daniel told his wife, no, I refuse to give you forgiveness. You don't do that. You don't do that. So uh, let's go back to walk. Now, we're going to get back on the love walk now. You've never sinned because of another person. That's right. That's right. You sinned against God. And you, and you blame the, every sin you and I have ever committed, mm-hmm. Adam, what happened? Well, you know the woman you gave me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eve, the devil? And I think that that's, that's where the love, our love walk, when he said, if all of that is, if you do this and this and this and this, you're still nothing. Only what you did in obedience to God walking in love goes on forever. So if you're not walking in love, what's going on forever in you? That's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So here's where Lisa and I, and, and, and I, Lisa's fast to forgive. It takes me two or three days to get over. I didn't like the way you said that. <laughs> and I am not going to put up with it. That's just total disrespect. Well, don't die in the process. Yeah, don't have a stroke or heart so, attack. So I'm watching this video, and I'm going to say this to y'all. And I said, God, they have a new pastor. And I have a new husband. Am I the only one? No, no. That's right. This is, this is powerful. We're reading this, well, love is patient, almost like it's, do you want, what do you, do you want the patient part? Well, I'm not quite sure I like the kindness part. I had a man I was talking to not too long ago, and he was dealing with some sin in his life, and he goes, well, that's hard. I said, well, then you'll go to hell. And he goes, oh, no. Mm. Mm. Thank y'all. He was having a problem with the ladies. And I said, well, you probably end up in hell. And he goes, oh, no. I don't want to go to hell. I said, well, then stop. I said, God will get you a wife. Yes, he will. Okay, I want one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but see, people are sitting around <laughs> acting like, I'm, I'm saved. It doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. It matters. It really matters. Your love walk. You, you, we, we're in church. We, 
We're all Christians. What you do, what we do, it matters what you do. What you say matters. How you treat each other matters. Yeah, yeah. Thank y'all. I'm basically... I mean, we we know that God talks about the babyhood stages of Christianity, the childhood stages. We're, we're not here tonight to 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 make a judgment call on where anybody is that we're talking to out in internet land or here locally, where you are and 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 all of that. We're just saying this is what the Bible says, don't play. Don't play anymore. It is it's not worth it. You know, we, we hear stories, too, of some some guy that, you know, ki- killed his mother and, and repented at the last minute and was surprised he even made heaven. You know, so God is just and justifier. And so in Psalms, it says he is the righteous judge in all the earth. So we leave those things to God. But if the angel told Daniel, you can't come in here. Daniel laid his whole life down for the gospel. She did disrespect him. It's not like he, it's not like she ran off with another man or something, or he did something like that. She she did disrespect him. And, and the but woman she he was begged, gonna kick out raised him from the but dead. She begged for forgiveness. <laughs> and he needed to extend it to her. So now there's a lot of scriptures. I'm gonna read one more here in Ephesians. Um, you don't have to go there if you don't want to. But I will say this, and I've said it before, even if someone doesn't ask you for forgiveness. Don't take the mentality, I won't forgive unless they beg. I won't forgive unless they ask me. You better forgive them as though they asked you. So here's the scripture, Ephesians 2.4. God who rich in mercy. Ephesians 2.4. Because of his great love. Yes, amen. Amen. It, it was a great love yes that he took your place and went to hell in your place that's a great deal that's a big deal to god that's a big deal for you to throw it in his face is not good it's not good and i and i think that it's i think it's time for us to start and and i'm not saying that you know we we talk about hellfire and damnation preaching lisa and i were talking about different ministers because of the way they preach some were saved with compassion but the other day I was reading, reading Rick Renner's book on, uh, on, on, um, on repentance. And Rick Renner said, I was eight years old and I heard a sermon on hell. Yeah. He said, I got saved. Yeah. So yeah. in Jude it said, save some with compassion and some with fear. I think some people need to have the H scared out of them. And depending on what your story is and what your testimony is, you're going to lean towards that. But you can't deny what Jude says. He says, some people save with compassion. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating the very garment defiled by the flesh. So So it's both ways. Let me ask you a question. What is it Lisa would do that would cause me to disobey God. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Amen. What is it Zach would do to me that would cause me to disobey? Nothing. Nothing. So I think it's time to get rid of all of our excuses for why we're the, well, right. I don't like to read the Bible. 
I don't like, I, I was busy. Stop. You're where you are because of mercy. If there's anything you ought to be doing, me, us, is walking in love. If there's anything we ought to major on, it's, it's walking in love. And I'm not talking about being sweet. Sometimes telling somebody the truth just might be love. Yes, amen. If, if your motive's right. Yes. So, after I watched that video, I told the Lord, I said, well, I says, uh, it's, it's time for me to clean up. And, and I said, I want you to help me pastor now. Because we're going to teach on what is repentance. You know what it is? There, um, John the Baptist started his ministry with repent. Jesus did. Paul did. Peter did. Where did we take it out? It means to make a complete, total turn. Completely turn. He had mercy on me. And out of love for God, I will walk in love like him. That's the foundation of Christianity right there. And if we don't give them foundation, then we have a bunch of Christians who 30, 40 years into their life are still babies. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is a pretty good message tonight. I don't, and you on the internet, you can call us up and say, hey, man, just double your tithe tonight. I'm teasing. How many of y'all are like, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a sobering thought. But, it is a sobering thought. But the word of God, it, it cleanses thought. us. It's not for you to get in, in fear in that sense, but in awe and reverence. So I'm going to tell you oh, one more story. I got one minute. In Brother Hagen's book called Visions, he hurt his arm and had to go to the hospital. And the Spirit of God said, your arm is broken. You're going to go to the hospital. I mean, it's not broken, but it's hurt. You're going to go to the hospital. And he was in the hospital. And Jesus walked in. He said, he, said he thought it was a nurse. Someone in a white robe walked in, and he's looked up. Finally, he said, all of a sudden, I looked up. as Jesus pulled up a chair down beside him. And he said, you need to thank me. I let this happen to you. Mm. And, and Brother Hagin's going, okay. He said, I've been dealing with you for years to do the, I, I called you to be a prophet teacher, not a teacher prophet. Now, Brother Hagin said, I don't like being a prophet. The people run around wanting to be a prophet. You're crazy. Okay? Never mind. I'm a, that's another story. So Brother Hagin would have things from the Lord, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't give them. Because, see, if you're a teacher, everybody likes you. Thank you all. So the Lord said, you reversed it, and you opened the door to the devil, and I'm going to tell you, had I not allowed the devil to attack you, you'd have died in your 50s. He said, now you start obeying me. You know, see, there's stories like that in the, I hear, and, and I hear people go, God, don't judge no more. You better hope he does. Thank you all. We didn't say damn. Didn't we say said, condemn. We said judge. 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 Please judge. Judge is damn you. You sent out of America, that's judgment. Given a share revenue coupon is judgment. Anyway, does God judge? When There's a lot of things happening to you and I, and you're praying and praying and praying, and it's not working. You might want to go back and go, how am I doing? How am I doing? Amen. 
Thank you all. Anyway, I think all of us in this room, if you're honest, we could all do a little cleaning, a little spring cleaning. So I've been picking up the Bible and reading the hard scriptures. Thank you all, boy. This is There are some tough scriptures in the, in the Bible about living right and obeying God. And, amen, amen. and this doesn't negate the blood and everything it's done for you. But the blood has set you free to walk yeah, but in he's that not, freedom. He's not making you mind. So let's pray. You ready? So say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blood. We love your son. We love the price he paid for us. We reverence him. We ask you, number one, in the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> to forgive us as we forgive our debtors. We forgive every person right now that we've ever had ought against, every person that we've ever had anything against, any person, any situation that, that has hurt us, we release the debt and we hand it over to God. We thank you. Now you said, Heavenly Father, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Pray with me. You said, you said mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Triumphs over judgment. From this day forward. From this day forward. I will be merciful. I will be merciful. Even as, even as you are merciful to me. You are merciful to me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe, I believe that being merciful. That being merciful is walking in love. Is walking in love. I want my life to count. I want my life to count. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. He says in James, mercy triumphs over judgment. Every day of our life, you're, you're faced with, they did that. Bless your enemy. Bless them. Someone does you wrong, bless them. Not out. Right. <laughs> bless them. Bless them in. <laughs> yeah. In love. This is, a, this is a very powerful way to live. I want to give you two more scriptures. The way of the transgressor is hard. My yoke is easy. Don't call walking in love hard. Yeah. Walking out of love is hard. Okay? Don't, don't let the devil go, boy, that's a hard life. No, it's actually when you walk in love, grace picks you up. And one of the biggest protections and guardianships for your mind is when that thing comes up in your soul. I'm not talking about your heart. There's a difference. But when that thing surfaces in your soul, in your mind, the very fastest and best way to get over that is to say out loud, Father, I bless them. Yes. In Jesus' name. What you bless, I ask you to work in them. What you bless can't hurt you. I bless them. You what know? you bless can't hurt you someone does you wrong, say, Father, I bless them. And you stop whatever was coming at you from happening. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the Big Give Now button. 
or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.